Welcome to week number five in our series called Chasing Carrots. Uh, this is the big finale, and uh, next week we're going to be starting in uh, on our Christmas series called Something for You. Listen, make plans to be here. It's going to be a fantastic series leading right up to Christmas, and we are so excited about everything that we have planned uh, for our Christmas celebrations on December the 23rd and December 24th. Check your Valley app. Uh, also, you can check out on our website. Make sure you get free tickets for that. Five different services. Really, really excited. As the holidays are upon us, I hope uh, you know, you're, you're no longer tripping on tryptophan, uh, you know, knocked unconscious by turkey and how much you've eaten. Uh, that you're kind of recovering. We want to give a big shout out to all of our uh, Valley campuses, wherever you're joining us today. Uh, happy Thanksgiving. And I thought I'd conclude this, this message series uh, about really the relentless pursuit of more, and talking about intentional giving when it comes to parents, parent-child relationship, because I think every parent wants to give to their children, but there are certain ways that we give uh, that, that really, if we're not uh, intentional and think it through, we can actually do more harm uh, than good. I was thinking about, you know, just a couple things in life where we actually don't necessarily, we're not intentional, and uh, we, we kind of plan, but we plan maybe the wrong way or with uh, uh, not a, enough foresight. Uh, think about it, how intentional it is. It's interesting we're intentional about certain things and not really intentional about others, like planning a wedding. There's so much time and energy into every little detail of a wedding, but most couples never plan their marriage after the wedding. And so they wake up one day like, what in the world are we doing after the wedding's over? That's the rest of life. So planning for just one day, but not the rest of their life together as husband and wife. Uh, you, you know, I remember when uh, Susie and I uh, were expecting our first child, our first daughter, Michaela. Man, we planned the baby room. Susie had it planned. You, you know, the bassinet and the bedding and the crib and everything matching the curtains, you know, and all this. Uh, but, but so many times, couples that are expecting a baby, they, they don't plan on how we're going to be parenting. What's our parenting going to be like? And uh, it's amazing how many classes there actually are out there from a biblical point of view where you can actually learn ahead of being a parent on just what the Bible has to say about uh, biblical parenting. A lot of great information out there actually helps Susie and I an awful lot. Uh, but there's three things I think that we want to, as parents, it's really important for us to give to the next generation to set them up for spiritual uh, success. And intentionality really does matter. Uh, it's impossible to be accidentally committed to Jesus Christ. It doesn't happen by accident. It has to be very deliberate, very intentional. And so that's why I thought as the finale of this series that we would talk about intentional giving, parent to child uh, when it comes to issues about faith, because if we're not intentional, we'll accidentally get things wrong. So uh, let me give you real quick, uh, just kind of prime the pump, three things that, that when we give, it actually hurts. When giving hurts, three different ways that when we give, it actually does more harm than good in the life of our kids. And as I start out with this, I just want to say, first of all, Susie and I, not perfect parents, far, far from it. Although most of our parenting is really in the rear view now, all three of our daughters are in their 20s, uh, now we're just coaches, you know, uh, but we're not perfect parents, and uh, we weren't, and uh, I'm going to be a perfect grandfather, though, <laughs> someday, I just can't wait on that, just, just, just note that, uh, but uh, I'm going to be a perfect grandfather, but uh, our kids aren't perfect either. 
Our, 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 our three daughters are fantastic, uh, love us, love uh, their mother and I, uh, and, and also love Jesus Christ and are serving Jesus with all their hearts today. And, and I think you need to know that. Uh, but we're not perfect parents and they're not perfect kids either. Uh, but we did get that right, that, that all three of them know Jesus and, and love Jesus and serve him today. Uh, so real quick, when giving hurts, there's three different ways that, that we can give, and it actually does more harm than good. The first one, I think, is this, when we give them praise that they don't deserve. When we give our children praise that they don't deserve, great job, that is the most fantastic little paper plate turkey craft I have ever seen. That should be in the Metropolitan Museum of Art. That is so, you're the next Picasso. You're not helping your kids by, by doing that. You're really, really not. It's a great job. Wow, this is fantastic. But not, you're the best ever. No one's ever done anything as incredible as that. Because when we, when we give them praise, really, that they don't deserve, uh, it, it, it ends up inflating their egos. And, and when they get grown out in the world and people don't praise every little thing they do as the most incredible action ever taken by a human being, uh, they're in for a world of heartbreak and, and disappointment. And, and so when we give them praise that they don't deserve, that actually hurts them. If you want a, a, good, uh, a good illustration of this, uh, just, just think about if you've ever seen American Idol auditions before. Delusional people that can't even carry a tune and their head has been so filled with, you're the greatest singer of all time, normally by their parents and their family, and then they have that rude awakening and, and they storm off and the judges don't know what they're talking about, all that. You don't want to raise someone like that. Uh, I remember when I was coaching high school football, uh, the head coach that I coached with for eight years, uh, he used to say that you know, to us as coaches. He's like, listen, you never help someone get better by lying to them. You never help someone get better by not speaking the truth to them. You can speak it graciously. You can encourage. But, but don't ever tell someone, you know, you're an all-section quarterback when, when their completion percentage is 25%. It's not, it's not helping them. It's not helping them to, to get better. You know, don't give them an illusion of something that's not real. You've got to be real. So when we give them praise they don't deserve. Here's the second one. When we give them things that they don't earn. When we give our kids things that they don't earn, you know, you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like an example of this is like Pinterest birthday parties, you know, with the pony and uh, the moon bounce castle and uh, the DJ and the magician and the flamethrower <laughs> and they're one. And I don't remember any of that stuff. None of that stuff at all. And, and yeah, like I said, we did some of this uh, for, for our daughter Michaela's second birthday, we had not one, but we had two ponies. We had two ponies. And uh, it was a big old thing in our backyard, old house. We had a real big backyard. We had two ponies that came and all. And you know what? She doesn't remember any of it at two. Not any of it. That wasn't for her. That was for us. That was not for the child. That was for the parents that we did that. And, and so... When we give people, when we give our kids things that they don't earn, you, you know, uh, when we give them a $300 electronic device with uh, unlimited data plan and they're six, I mean, who needs that, really? You can't even, can't even be responsible for it. 
or, or, or when we, you know, they're 16 years old and we buy them a car and it's nicer parked in the parking lot than their teacher's car that the teachers are driving in high school. It, it messes with their minds and it doesn't set them up for success when we give our kids things that, that they didn't earn. And the third one is this, we, we give them freedoms that they can't handle. So many times as parents we make that big mistake. We give them freedoms that they actually can't handle. You know, you can watch any video game. You can play any video game. You can watch anything on TV. We'll give you unlimited internet access on your tablet, your phone, or your computer, and they're 15 years old. Ah, setting up a problem right there. I, I mean, look at you. You didn't have a smartphone when you were 15. Look at how screwed up you are. I mean, you really, it's a joke. You don't need that. We don't need that. Get them, get them the jitterbug. Get them the flip phone that they can just call you in an emergency. That's all that they need there, you know. So when we give them freedoms that they just can't handle, and when you give them a smartphone, you basically are tearing down, you're taking down every wall to insulate your child from all the worst evil and depravity known to mankind you put it in the palm of their hand when you give them a smartphone it's just something to think about and they can't handle those freedoms because their character's still being developed in those early teen years and so sometimes we can give but it actually hurts our kids instead of helping them instead Let's think about what God says is really, really important to give our children. Better than great vacations, better than souped-up sports cars, better than ponies at their birthday. What does the Bible say? Look at Deuteronomy chapter 6. Go ahead and, if you haven't already, open up your Valley app. Because I think, I, I want to invite you to read along with me in this. Deuteronomy chapter 6 God speaks here, makes it real clear, parent to children, what he expects. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 9 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your heart. So understand first, parents is to be on your hearts first. Then watch, impress them on your children. You cannot teach your child, you cannot give your child a stronger faith than you yourself have. Most of the time, the faith that you have in God is going to be weaker than you give to your children. That's just by, by the way it goes. And so God says, listen, you first have it in your heart. We'll get back to this in just a minute. And then impress it on your children. And then he, says, he shows how to impress it upon your children. If we go on and it says... Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Talk about your faith in God all the time, everywhere, under every circumstance, not just 75 minutes on a Sunday. Talk about it everywhere. It says, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So, so taking this, this statement, this clear statement that God says, parents, this is how you pass along what's really meaningful, what's really important in life, faith in God. It, it, it touches every area of life. You want to set your children up. You want to give them something, be intentionally uh, 
giving generous to your children. Be generous in giving them your faith. Be generous in giving them your faith. And so three things to give to the next generation that I want to share with you, and then we're done. Just real practical message today in this finale of Chasing Carrots. First thing that we need to give to our kids is a community worth having. A community, a sense of community of faith worth having. Going back now, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Look at what it says. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. He, he says, the nation. He's talking to a community. Faith in God, could I put it this way, is impossible individually. We, we need to have a community. That's what the valley family, that's what a church is. A church is a community of faith. And it's so important because there's so much of uh, what the Bible says, it's impossible to walk out individually. They have to be in this community of faith. Christianity is not an individual faith. It's, a faith. it's the faith of our community here at Valley Christian Church. In the Old Testament, the family, the idea of family, when you see the word family, what was thought of there, did you realize it was actually about 80 people? in a family. That would include parents and children. That would include any servants that were in the house. That would include adult siblings, spouses, and children, as many as 80 people. So when it's talking to parents, impressing on their children and the family, there, there's a whole community of faith right there. And, and the reality is, if you were to press me uh, today and say, you know, okay, Greg, I, I hear what you're saying. You know, you and Susie aren't, weren't perfect parents, but what, like, what's, what was the difference maker? What was the big thing that you did, uh, really, that was the most effective? If you press me on, give me one answer, though, the most effective thing that you did in parenting is a, the cause, the reason why your, all three of your girls love Jesus today and are serving them. What I would say is, a strong community, that it was a strong community of faith. See, strong communities never happen by accident. Our, our girls all served in the church. They came to the church every single week. We, we didn't allow any activities for them to be involved in that would be uh, uh, compete with their church attendance. It, it was never a question, are we going to church today? Uh, unless they had a fever, they were in church every single week, uh, and, and it was a priority. And that was the way that I grew up as well. Uh, that's the reason why uh, I wasn't allowed to play Pop Warner football. My dad, who was a really incredible athlete in Georgia growing up, uh, wouldn't allow me to play football when I was younger because it would take me out of church. And he said, God's not going to bless something when you put him second. And so I never played Pop Warner football. I tried out in junior high. Games are on Friday afternoon. And uh, long story short, ended up, you know, making a pretty good high school uh, career of it. Uh, but, but never had any broken bones or anything like that because I was playing on Sunday mornings and missing out on church. And, and so culture, we need to understand this. Our culture that we live in will do everything possible to push you away from your community of faith. There is nothing outside the church that's going to encourage your children to be a part of a community of faith. They're going to encourage independence in everything that they do. They're going to schedule things on purpose to compete with, because like, no, no, that's not important. What we're doing is important, you, you know, for our six-year-olds uh, that, that in the long run is going to make no difference in their life. And, and so they're always going to compete with what's the priority in your family, what's the priority in your heart. 
And so culture pushes us away from community by celebrating being independent, do your own thing. But independence is distinctly non-Christian. There's so much, as I said before, the Bible says things like this, it's impossible to keep these things by yourself. The Bible tells us as followers of Jesus Christ, love one another, encourage one another, be devoted to one another, accept one another, be patient with one another, forgive one another, be kind and compassionate to one another, submit to one another, pray for one another, greet one another with a holy kiss, or, you know, fist pounds okay with me, that, that's, that's perfectly fine, or for Thanksgiving you could do the turkey, have you seen that one? Give your, if you're sitting next to somebody right now, just, just give them a turkey. One of you do that. Anyway, I digress, okay? So uh, all these one another passages, it's impossible to say, I am a follower of Christ. I am I'm following the instructions of Scripture on my own. It's impossible. Christianity is about a community of faith. And, uh, and there's, there's nothing outside the walls of the church, I mean, the community of faith, that's going to encourage your children towards godly living. Nothing. In fact, again, everything is going to push them away from God being first in their life. Uh, you know, they're going to hear like, wait, what? You're, you're saving yourself for marriage? You're not having sex before you're married? What's wrong with you? Everything in the culture, you can't help yourself. Instead of, no, I'm pursuing purity because I'm devoted to Jesus. See, you're, you're not gonna, your kids aren't going to be encouraged that way outside the walls of a community of faith. You believe in God? The answer there should be, no, we believe in God. As for me and my house, and, and, and I'm not some odd person, you know, and when, when uh, in high school the Peer pressures dial up. What are you, one of those Jesus freaks? No, I'm not a freak. I love Jesus. And by the way, so do over one billion people on the planet today that name themselves Christians. One billion. So I'm in a pretty good group as far as the globe goes. You, you know, it's really important to put our kids in a community of faith. This is not my faith. Don't teach your kids. This is my faith. This is our faith. This is our faith. I, you know, recently, uh, you, you know, uh, I was talking with somebody, and, and we were just talking about the importance of, of faith. And, and that's why, that's why we're, we're, we're so determined, and, and we love, like, our, our Valley student ministry. Listen, your, your kids, it doesn't matter what else is going on <laughs> on a Friday night. They're, they're never going to be encouraged the way that they will be at Valley student ministry. There's there was no movie, there's no activity, there's no party that's going to help them set them up for success in following Jesus Christ than like Valley Student Ministry. That's why our, our Valley kids, that's why we teach the kids at such a young age about Jesus Christ because we want them to fulfill their potential because there are world changers right now in Valley Kids. There are world changers right now that are going to change the world, make it a better place in Valley uh, Student Ministries on Friday night. It's all about a community of faith and having those strong friends as well that can support them and encourage them. You know, I think about, uh, 
Jasmine Francis. Uh, you know, Karen Johnson, uh, her mom has, has worked uh, for me for over 25 years. And uh, in junior high, high school there, Jasmine, really, really close to our oldest daughter, Michaela. So much so I used to call Jasmine my weekend daughter. Like every other weekend, she's sleeping over at the Williamson's house, you know. And, uh, and, and Jasmine's a little bit older, a couple years older than Michaela, but just always really encouraged her and inspired Michaela. And, and then when, when Jasmine went to college, it just so happened that Michaela went to the same college, Liberty University, and Jasmine was her RA. And, and, and how refreshing that was, just feeling like home, to have her friend who all these years had encouraged her, you know, as a great example of following after Jesus. I'm not putting Jasmine on a pedestal, but, but she's a great young lady who, who walked with Jesus, even when she's a teenager, and set a great example for my daughter Michaela to follow. And her sisters after her to follow. That's a community of faith that they even get in together outside of church to encourage one another, spend time with one another, cultivate those relationships together. Here's the second thing that we need to give to our children, a standard worth achieving. A standard worth achieving. Back to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Look at what it says in verse 5. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart with all of your soul and with all of your strength not just on a Sunday morning not just for 10 minutes in the morning before you go to school with everything inside of you not part of your heart not only when it's convenient not only when there's nothing else going on, okay, we'll make God a priority since there's nothing else going on on this Sunday. Not, not, not only if your friends don't make fun of you, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. You know, it's pretty interesting talking about standards worth achieving. I, I believe this with everything in me, that, that we just expect too little from our young people. Much, much too little. I'll give you an example of this. In, in biblical times, a Jewish boy, when he was 12, had his bar mitzvah, that would be when he would become, be recognized as a man, not at 22, at 12. And before he did that, part of the, the preparation for that, you ready for this? They had to memorize and be able to recite by memory Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy, the first five books of the Torah, of the Old Testament, to be able to recite that by memory. Now, I, I know a lot of 12-year-olds that couldn't even quote John 3.16 because we just don't expect much out of our kids. And, and it's amazing how in life, rarely do you actually get what you expect. Most of the time you get less. And it, I'm afraid as parents, we have lowered the bar so far that, that that's why our kids are not really stepping up to it. And, and, and you can see there's, there's so many times as a coach, again, that I saw this in high school, 
that, that a, a mom or a dad would bring their son, you know, to tryouts the first time, and, and kind of like you get this feeling that the father's like, yeah, well, good luck to you, boy. You know, like, it just expects nothing out of them, but you just encourage them and say, this is what I need to see you do. This is what you need. This is what's expected. This is, this is what we're looking for, and you just see that boy just grow and reach and reach and reach and stretch and become more than he ever thought he could because the standard, the expectation is higher. You need to be here on time. You need to be dressed in your equipment. You can't, listen, it's not mom's fault that your helmet's left at home. That's your responsibility. You know, teaching them to be responsible. And all of a sudden, these young men start learning how to be responsible, not in home where they should learn how to be responsible, but they learn it from a coach. A coach. It's not the coach. God's not speaking to football coaches. God's speaking to mom and dads here. Parents. It's our responsibility. To give our kids the expectations, a standard worth achieving. Did you know, I did a little stuff, this is crazy. Do you know the word teenager was not even used, that whole idea of like 13 to 19, uh, this, this demographic of age, which in our culture is like uh, you get all kinds of like uh, freedoms, but no real expectations or, or anything from them. Uh, that, that word teenager was, who's credited as the Reader's Digest came up with that phrase that word in 1941 before 1941 there was no such thing you were a boy speaking of male you were a boy until you're about 12 and then you were considered a man but we've created this whole other kind of like weird demographic where it's like don't expect much or expect your your kids from 13 to 19 to just go off the rails they're uncontrollable that's our, how low our expectations are as a culture and as a society and in the world, really, today. All these rights without any responsibilities. But think about it. When the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 13, look at what he said. There's nothing about teenagers here. 1 Corinthians 13, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. When I, and I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, there's no teenage period in, here, in between there. When I became a man, what did I do? I put the ways of childhood behind me. I put them behind me. Now we actually have uh, a whole other uh, kind of uh, demographic that's being identified. They're called the kidults. The kidults. First it's, it's a child, then it's a teenager, then it's kidults. 20-somethings. That, that don't have any life skills to even live on their own or do anything with on their own. Mom and dad still caring for them. Mommy's still making dinner. Mommy's still doing their laundry. When, 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 when that joker's 23, 24 years old, he ought to be out on his own, paying all his own bills, completely responsible for everything. He's a man. But now sociologists are starting to call him cadults. Cadults. Maybe that's going to be no, no sense of urgency, no sense of direction, no sense of purpose in their life. They're, they're too busy having too much fun and afraid to have real, real responsibility. Cadults. It's rare in life, like I said, that you ever get more than what you ask for. That's why it's so important that we give our kids a standard, a standard worth achieving. No longer a child, becoming a man. So instead of like even encouraging 
child, you know, go out and get a part-time job. How about this instead? Go out and start a business. You know, cut grass, go door to door. Hey, I'll cut your grass for this amount of money. And, and start your own lawn care business. You'll make your own hours and make money. That, that, I mean, that's different. We expect so little out of our teenagers today. So little. Uh, instead of just, can you, can you please wake up? Listen, Sally Sue, please wake up and just go to church. How about this? Serve in church. Serve in church. I, I love it on social media. And I, I've noticed, I always love it every time I see it. Matera family, Deanna Matera and, and, and her kids, serving in the church. She always like posts a little selfie when they come in on a Sunday. Serving together. Two generations. Serving. Sir, how does that happen? Just by raising the bar. Just by raising the bar. The Materas aren't special. Just raise the bar, that's all. Just a standard worth achieving. You, you know, instead of the goal being, I want to be popular in high school, how about, how about instead being a light for Jesus Christ? Shining a light through your life and standing out not being like the rest of the kids. You know, as parents, we say, you know, don't drink and drive, honey. I, you're 16. I don't drink and drive. Instead of drinking's illegal. You, you should not be drinking, period. Forget about drinking and driving. We've just so dumbed it down and lowered the standards. And, and we don't have anyone to blame but ourselves as parents. Because we're not being the parents that God wants us to be. You know, try not to get pregnant, and if you do, come to me, we'll figure something out. That's how low the bar is. Instead of pursue the power of purity and saving yourself for marriage. Like, like you're not going to hear that outside, this, the, outside the church, outside of community faith. You're going to hear, you can't help yourself. Your, your kid, yeah, they're pretty much teenager, it's pretty much like a wild animal. They can't help themselves. They're going to hook up. Really? We can do better than that. You can do better than that. As I said, I, I know that maybe, maybe you look at me like, man, he's, he's an old man at 52. Good Lord. He's like probably went to school with Abraham Lincoln. I didn't. He graduated the year before me. But uh, anyway, uh, you, you know, I was a Christian in high school. I wasn't perfect, but I didn't drink. I didn't do drugs, I didn't fool around with girls, and I knew a lot of people, I was popular, and I was the quarterback of the football team, and I was the captain at John Jay High School. And I didn't have to compromise my Christian values in order for people to love and accept me and like me. I dated, did all that, but I kept my Christian values and principles. And you know what? God led me to a young lady who did the exact same thing. Went through high school, kept her morals, her Christian values. And together, we were married and were virgins on our wedding day. Listen, teenagers, you can do it. You can do it. I'm not special. I, I just made a promise to God, I'm going to save myself until I'm married. Susie and I were 
we've dated for over two and a half years or engaged for a year. No, we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that because we made a promise to God. You can do it. And, and, and there's, there's just nothing in the world like following through with that. And I think we need, to, we need to talk about those kind of things a whole lot more, even in our community of faith. Instead of, of what the media tells us and what the school tells us and, and what all the outsiders outside the community of faith tell us, like, you can't help yourself. You're just going to do it. You can't control yourself. You can. You can. You can do it. You don't have to be like everybody else. If I can do it, you can do it. I'm not special. I'm not special at all. I, I, I just had a standard that was given to me by my mom and dad, and, and, and I was just going to live by that standard. A standard worth achieving. I, I think one of the greatest questions, the biggest question in the mind of this generation today that's coming up is this. This is a question in their mind for their parents, everybody around them. Do you believe in me? Do you believe in me? And, and when we come alongside and I believe in you, and you can do this, Instead of setting the bar low, we set the bar high. Because in life, like I said, you rarely get more than you expect. So many times it's less. So we set that bar high. I believe in you. And I'm going to help you. And I'm going to encourage you. And I'm going to walk alongside you. As parents to children. Then that question of do you believe in me? changes into this resolve inside now watch as i prove you right watch as i prove you right because you believe in me you watch while i prove you right it's so important a standard worth achieving because this is what i believe for for, for those are valley kids valley student ministry even our, our, our 20 20 somethings in the church they're not the Christians of tomorrow. You're the Christians of today. You're not the Christians of someday. You're the Christians of today. We're the Christians. That includes our kids. That includes our teenagers. That includes our 20-somethings. That includes all the millennials. That includes those after them, millennials. We're the body of Christ. We're the family of God today. And so that should mean something. That we have a high standard, not a low standard. And so what we need to be real generous about is a community, give our next generation a community worth having, a standard worth achieving, and then finally, a faith worth reproducing. A faith worth reproducing. Look at it in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 7. Impress them on your children. These the words of God. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up, talk about them. Talk about them every other time. My, uh, my youngest daughter, Susie, and I, our, our youngest daughter is home for Thanksgiving. And uh, the night she got home, uh, it was late night on Friday, and, uh, and she said to me, she's like, Daddy, you and I are going to go to breakfast sometime, just the two of us while I'm home? I was like, absolutely. How about that? She's 21. She... Daddy, can we go to breakfast? And you know what we're going to do at breakfast? We're going to talk. She just wants to talk. And, and you know what? It, there's no question that's going to come up. You know what's going to come up? Jesus. 
right there in the diner, Jesus. And this, this, is, this is why you go through those hard times of raising kids and all that stuff. But now we're enjoying this. 20 years old, 21. Daddy, can we go out to breakfast? Because she just wants to talk. We set that tone back when she was younger. Through those teen years, sit at home, walk along the road, lie down, get up. Always look for opportunities to bring Jesus into the conversation with your kids. Always, at any time, at any moment, no matter where you are. Because it, it, it's, it's so important. You know what I hear about this? When I read this, when you sit down, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up, when I read that, uh, it, it, it kind of says to me, schedule your lives so you're where your children are in the evenings especially. Schedule your lives where you're ch- to be t- together as a family, especially in the evenings. You know, there have been all kinds of studies that have been done uh, about the difference it makes in a child's life just to have family dinner a minimum of once a week. Just one time a week to just get to have family dinner. And like I said, Susie and I, we're not perfect parents, but you know, we made a priority. It wasn't once a week. It was about five nights a week that we were able to have. We worked our schedule around so as a family, all of us could sit down and have a meal together. You know what sociologists have discovered? Look at this research on the physical, the mental, and the emotional benefits of regular family meals. Some of the specific benefits of family dinners are this. Just just see if this is what you want from your kids. Better academic performance, family meals. Higher self-esteem, family meals. Greater sense of resilience in your kids because of family meals. Lower risk of substance abuse, because of family meals. Lower risk of teen pregnancy because of family meals. Lower risk of depression because of having family meal together on a regular basis. Lower likelihood of developing eating disorders just because of having family meals together. Lower rate of obesity, all the result of just having family meals together. Instead of everybody going in different directions. You have a choice about that stuff, mom and dad. You're the ones that decide. Is that what you want? (laughs) When they sit down, when they walk along the road, when they lie down, when they get up? Because here's the thing. Young people, (laughs) they they can spy a fake a mile away. They have this sense about them uh, that they can just, they they can spot a fake so easy. In fact, it's almost like they can smell a fake. Oh, somebody faked. Who faked? Did you fake? Somebody faked. Who was it? Who faked? I'll just leave that alone, but anyway. They can smell a fake. They can sense a fake from a mile away. So here's the thing. If you want your kids to pray, let them hear you pray, mom and dad. You want your kids to to get into God's word because you know the benefit that there's going to be when they get God's word inside of them? Well, let let them see you reading God's word on a regular basis. You want your kids to share your faith? You share your faith. You you want your kids to invite their friends uh, to church? You invite your friends to church. You you, you want your kids to prioritize their relationship with Jesus and his church? You got to do it first, mom and dad, (laughs) because... Kids can smell a fake. They can smell a phony. And nothing will turn a child quicker in rebellion than mom and dad being fakes and phonies. Nothing will. Nothing will. You you, you want your kids to be generous? Then you have to be generous. 
You want your kids to be kind? Be kind to your kids. You want your kids to love their spouse one day? When they're married, if they're married, you love your spouse today. Because they can spot a fake. (laughs) They can smell whoever's faking. See, here's here's the, the bottom line today. This is it, and we're done. We're not called just to live and die. We're called to pass faith onto the next generation. That's what we're called to do, moms and dads, to pass our faith on to the next generation, that they would pass it on to the next generation. So right now, I just want to ask, would you, would you just bow your head with me? Let's pray. Lord, for so many of us, the reality is, so many of us that are moms and dads, we just didn't have a really good example. We didn't have a good example of sharing our faith, passing on our faith to the next generation. Lord, I pray today that through your word, Lord, that we really would, Father, give to the next generation a community worth having. Lord, that that more than just even a community worth having, Lord, that we would give them a standard worth achieving and a faith worth reproducing. And Lord, not only that the next generation, but the generation after that and for generations to come, Lord, would see that we were faithful as moms and dads that we never expected something out of our kids that we ourselves weren't willing to live. And that we put you first, Lord, and we showed that Jesus was the center of our life before leading our children into putting Jesus at the center of their life. Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy that's new every morning. And Father, I pray for so many of us as parents that, Lord, today we just need the grace to forget our, our failures in the past, but your empowering presence by your Holy Spirit to be the moms and the dads that you have asked us to be today and from this day forward, and that we would be intentional and deliberate givers to our children in the right way. In Jesus' name. Amen.